This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Turn with me this morning, if you would, to Luke 24. We've been looking at the concept of missions in the Bible, uh, specifically the purpose of missions and the biblical basis of missions. And today we're going to turn... Um, turn a little bit from what we've been thinking about missions, thinking about kind of the philosophy, the theology of it. And we're going to continue to focus on that today, but we're also going to kind of be turning towards considering our responsibility. Uh, It can be easy to think that we've got missions over here, and there are people and organizations that are involved in missions, they're doing that work, and then you've got the church stuff, the local church, you know, stuff that's going on here, over here, and it's kind of these two separate entities. And so over here we've got missionaries, mission boards, people who are trying to help with missions, and over here we've got the church. And so this is, has to do with us, this part not so much. So, but as we consider this, the role of the local church in missions, which is as you can see, what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to find, I believe, that the two, missions and the local church, they can't be separated, and they must not be separated. Uh, It's very important that we understand the connection between the two, and along with that, our responsibility when it comes to missions as members of a local church. So, to understand that, we really need to go back to the Great Commission. All right, That's kind of the cornerstone of this whole study, What is the Great Commission? I'm accepting answers or ideas. Well, just what is the what is the concept? I mean, you can you can do it by referencing the Bible if you want, but So it's, um, and, and it's a little bit hard to nail it down into just a few words because there is a decent amount of material to it. Um, depending on who you ask, as many as five different places in Scripture, we find parts of the Great Commission. But the general idea is what Addison said. It's going into the world with the gospel, you know, seeing people come to Christ, sharing, sharing Christ with them, and then discipling them and uh, carrying on God's work in that way. So that's the general idea of the Great Commission, going into all the world with the gospel. So that leads to a question then, as we're thinking about responsibility. To whom was God's missionary commission given? To whom was the Great Commission given? And that's your first blank, by the way, uh, Roman numeral I. To whom was God's missionary commission given? This is a question of responsibility, because whoever's been tasked with the Great Commission is responsible to carry it out, right? Whoever the Great Commission has been given to, they ultimately bear on their shoulders the responsibility of making sure it's carried out. Of course, we understand this is a work that God's doing, He's carrying it out, but from a human perspective, this helps us with this matter of responsibility. So, we find the answer... um, in Luke 24, where you probably are now. Uh, We're going to look at the latter part of the chapter. Um, And so, I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. Uh, Letter A there is the assembled church. The assembled church. And we find that here in Luke 24. Verse 33, it says, And they, and this is going back, this is talking about the disciples who were on the Emmaus Road. Uh, those who were with Christ, they, they talked with Christ there. All right, so they, um, their eyes have been opened to understand it's Christ. And in verse 33, they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them. All right, so these two disciples, followers of Christ, they're joining the eleven apostles, and there's other believers there, other disciples, other followers of Christ. They're assembled together. 
And they say in verse 34, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spoke, spake, I'm sorry, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. So this goes on, the people are frightened, Jesus calms them, shows them his wounds, he eats food to show that he is actually alive, physically alive. And then he opens their understanding to grasp how his death and resurrection are the fulfillment of the Old Testament. All right, so he does all that. And then in verse 46, he says, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved, it was necessary, uh, for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold... I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So this is, whether you would say this is a great commission passage or not, Christ is talking here about the great commission, about the the charge to go into the world with the gospel. And who is he speaking here, to here? To whom does he give this commission, this task? Who are the hearers? All right, so the disciples, to clarify, we've got the apostles, okay, the 12, except now they're 11, because Judas has gone out, not being one of them. Um, They've got 11 apostles, and who else? Going back, we've got the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, at least, and then it also told us them that were with them in verse 33. Okay, so there's the 11 apostles, but there are other believers here as well. There's a, there's a gathering together of believers, of those who know Christ. So this is an assembly of believers. This is, I believe we can rightly argue, this is the church. These are the believers, those who are following Christ, who are there in Jerusalem. They're gathered together. Christ appears to them. So does he give the Great Commission just to the apostles. No, he doesn't. And this is where sometimes people get off off base. They get off track because they say, well, the Great Commission, that was to the apostles, you know, and, uh, and so I guess we just do what we can now, but that was for them in their day. Well, here we find that he's giving this commission, he's giving this task, not just to the apostles, but to the disciples, the followers of Christ who were there, the assembly of Christians. So who has the responsibility? And, and we, could, we could go into the other passages as well. We're not going to take as much time as we could here, but who has the responsibility for carrying out this commission? Who is responsible to carry out the Great Commission? I think you all know the answer. You just, right, it's, it's, it's the church, okay? It's the assembly of believers. It's the followers of Christ. But specifically, the, the believers as they are assembled together as the church. The local church has that responsibility. Now, to back up that point, consider the chain of missionary sending. All right, we're going to look at that here. And that's a term that I hadn't heard of before this lesson. I don't know if it's something that uh, the developer of this um, came up with themselves or if this is actually a thing. But um, I'll describe it and you'll understand what we're talking about. All right? We start with God sent his son. John 3, 16 and 17. You know John 3, 16. You probably know the next verse as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So God sent his Son. For what purpose? Why did Jesus come? To die for our sins. According to these verses, he came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Purpose for him coming. Purpose for God sending his Son that the world through him might be saved. 
All right, very clear. It was, in a sense, as a missionary that Jesus came to bring salvation. He came to complete the gospel and to save lost sinners. So that's where the chain begins. All right, God sent his son. Secondly, the son sends the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49, we just looked at it. And behold, I send the promise of my father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now, we see the, the fulfillment of that in Acts chapter 2. But what is he talking about? Who did Jesus send? The Holy Spirit. He sent the Spirit. The Spirit fills them with power at the day of Pentecost. And, of course, that was part of God's perfect plan. Jesus went so far as to say, in John 16, 7, it is expedient for you that I go away for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus says, this is the perfect plan. It's actually good that I'm leaving, because when I leave, I'm sending the Spirit, and that's better for you. So this isn't a, you know, the Son was the, the first choice, and then the Holy Spirit is the second choice. And of course, we understand that. This is God's perfect plan. This is the way God wants this to work. The next link in the chain, the Holy Spirit gathers and encourages the church, Acts 9.31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified. They were built up, encouraged, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So we find, um, people have rightfully suggested that the book of Acts instead of being called the Acts of the Apostles, could be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because so we find that throughout the book of Acts. In Acts 2, the Spirit comes on the church, and the Apostles proclaim the gospel the day of Pentecost. Um, the Spirit, we looked at last Sunday with Cornelius. The Spirit works there, both in Cornelius' situation, in, in Peter's situation, bringing that together. The Spirit worked in some great ways to make it clear to the, to the Jewish believers that the gospel goes to the Gentiles too. Right, that's a big part of what we see in the book of Acts. But the Spirit is working that way. The Spirit guided Paul in his international ministry. But more than anything else, the Holy Spirit worked to unify and strengthen assemblies of believers, local churches, as they were established all over the known world. And we see that as we look through Acts. So God sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit, the Spirit gathered and encouraged the church, and we find the final link in the chain in Acts 13. Acts 13, 2, it's talking about Paul and Barnabas, as they, or actually the whole church at Antioch. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have called them. So we see that the healthy church sends her people. The church sends missionaries. Romans 10, 14 and 15. We looked at this last week. How, shall they, how, they, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So there is a sending that needs to happen here. A sending of missionaries. And God's pattern is that the church would send the missionaries. This isn't just a... It takes it from the theoretical, you know, it's the church's responsibility to the individual. Now there are people going out specifically for the purpose of carrying out the Great Commission. That doesn't mean it's no longer the individual's responsibility, but one of the ways that the church is carrying out the Great Commission is by the sending of missionaries. So, who is supposed to send missionaries? Well, it's the church. Now, we look at this, and I mentioned before, we can kind of look at this as, you know, best option, Jesus, second best option, Holy Spirit, third best option, church, fourth best option, missionaries. It's kind of like, you know, the fallback plan on the fallback plan. Um, well, I worked at Chick-fil-A in high school, and I actually brought with me today, I found my name tag from when I was uh, working at Chick-fil-A in high school. It was a... It was a part of my life that changed me forever, but not one that I'd want to repeat. Um, 
By the time I was done there, I was a shift manager, or as my boss liked to call it, part of the leadership team. Well, as the shift manager, I had the happy responsibility of dealing with it when someone called in sick. Um, Even though there were times I was pretty sure someone was lying to me and they weren't really sick, I still had to find someone to fill in for them. And sometimes it wasn't a big deal. Sometimes there was somebody else who wasn't on the schedule who was happy to come in and work. But sometimes I had to scramble, and I ended up calling people in who definitely weren't the best person for the job. But I needed somebody. I needed to stick somebody in that spot uh, to fill the quota of employees for the shift and hopefully not drive the store into the ground. So is that what God did? He said, well, I sent Jesus... You know, we could get some people involved in this. You know, I'll send the Holy Spirit, and then we'll get the church involved. You know, it's not the best. Um, There's other better options, but I guess they're who's available. And then I'll, you know, I'll pick the missionaries out of the church. That, you know, we'll leave the cream of the crop in the church, and then I'll pick some some of the people who, you know, decide to be available. They, they're kind of. They're not the greatest. They're not really going to do the job the best, but I'll pick some missionaries out of the church and we'll send them. Well, we understand, we know that's not the truth. That's not what God did. It's, it's easy for us to say this is God's perfect plan when we look at Christ and we look at the Holy Spirit. We say this is a great plan. This is wonderful. God living in us, that's awesome. But Sometimes we look at God's plan and we say, but the church? But missionaries? And to me, the amazing thing here is this isn't a fallback plan. We are all part of God's original plan for reaching the world with the gospel. So let's be careful how we look at missions and missionaries. Sometimes it kind of gets relegated over to the side. You know, we'll, we'll find some leftover Christians that we can send to the mission field. And I'm grateful that that's not the attitude and the spirit here. But I've come across it in many places, and it, it sickens me. Because we have to realize missions is the heartbeat of God. The, the fulfillment of the Great Commission is, is God's purpose for the church. And God sending missionaries is his perfect plan in seeing that happen. So... We also should be careful along with that, that we, that we don't think, well, you know, I don't really want to go, so I'll pay, pay someone else to take my place. Who, who ultimately has the responsibility for carrying out the Great Commission? We've seen it's the local church. It's, it's all of us as believers. It's not something that we, we pay a certain group to say they're the Great Commission ones. And as long as we give them enough money and pray for them every once in a while, we've got it taken care of. So it's the church's responsibility. And it's sobering for us to ask the question, how has the church done with that responsibility? How have you personally, have I personally done with that responsibility? Um, Say that I hired a contractor to replace the flooring in one of the rooms in our new house. And that contractor wanted the work, but he's super busy, so he subcontracts it out to another guy. And suppose that other guy messes the whole thing up. The subcontractor doesn't really know what he's doing. He puts the flooring in wrong. Um, It doesn't look good, and it's also going to cause problems down the road. And so I see what's happened. I go to the contractor that I hired, and I say, look, here's what happened. It needs to get fixed. And when I call him to talk to him about it, he says, well, I didn't actually do the work. I I got this other guy to do it. He's the one who did the work. He's the one you need to talk to. He's responsible for all these problems. Um, I didn't do a bit of it, okay? And I'd be like, okay, that's no problem. All right. It's this other guy's fault. You're off the hook. Well, no. Who has the responsibility? Who, Who got the commission? It's the original contractor. It's his responsibility to fix the problem. It's his problem, not mine. 
so we have to be careful not to do that with missions. Um, you know, I'm not a missionary. I'm not a part of a missions organization. We as the church, we've subcontracted that out. And so if it's going great, good job, guys. If it's not going very well and we're, we're falling down on the job, well, they're the ones doing it, not me. No, we need to recognize and bear that responsibility. So what does it mean then? And this is your second um, Roman numeral. What does it mean for a local church to be central to sending missionaries? Um, the church is supposed, he's got the responsibility for this. The church is supposed to be sending missionaries. But what is our part in that? All right, we are grateful, and, and I don't want to downplay this. We're grateful um, for the infrastructure that we have in this country, the organizations, the good organizations that are here to help in the missionary sending process. All right, we had the president of Worldwide New Testament Baptist Missions here for our missions conference. And I am very grateful for that ministry and for him and his leadership and all those who are involved there. They, they have helped missionaries here, including my own family, um, in some wonderful ways. And I'm grateful for that. But the fact remains that the local church needs to be central in that process. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, a few things I want to list here. First of all, evaluation. That's blank A under Roman numeral 2. Evaluation. You remember what Brother O'Malley told us during missions conference, probably. He said there are dud missionaries. All right? And he wasn't saying that, you know, there are dud missionaries, but other things there aren't. I mean, he's, he was saying just like in everything else. Um, there, are, there are dud pastors, there are dud church members, there are dud missionaries. And what he meant by that is, just because somebody says they're willing to be a missionary, just because they say, I'll sign up, doesn't mean they're the right person for the job. Someone needs to evaluate them. Someone needs to come alongside and consider whether or not this is someone who really needs to be a missionary, who God is leading that way. In 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15, we're called to discernment when it comes to others. It says, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Let me ask you, would it be possible for us here to support or even send out a missionary who is doing what they're doing, not for God, but as an agent of Satan? They're going out as an angel of light, but they're disguising themselves like they are a true Christian, but really their motives are otherwise. Now, I haven't come across anyone who's come here to good news that I believe that was true of, but it would be possible. And we've got to be careful, just like we're careful in, in you know, who we would consider to be on pastoral staff here, or especially somebody who is going to become the next senior pastor. We'd be incredibly careful in evaluating that person in their doctrine, in their demeanor, and we ought to also be careful to evaluate those who are going to be part of the mission's work. And that's the church's responsibility. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. It would be sad for us to spend time and money and effort and prayer to send a false prophet to the mission field. And so... The church needs to be interested in and involved in evaluating missionaries. Especially, a lot of these things we're going to look at, these are responsibilities for the church, the local church that sends a missionary out. Things are, there are there's a, a way that things are done among independent Baptist churches in the U.S. This whole deputation thing, getting support from different churches. Um, all of that, none of it's unbiblical. That's not necessarily in the Bible. What is in the Bible is that a local church would send a missionary out. 
So the things we're looking at today are especially our responsibility when it comes to those who have been sent out of our church. And I'm grateful that there are a number of those. Missionaries who consider good news to be their home church. They are sent out of good news. So our responsibility before sending a missionary like that out is to evaluate them, to consider, to be discerning. Someone needs to vet missionaries. Someone needs to make sure they're right in what they believe and that they're righteous in the way that they live. And that's part of sending a missionary. So the church says, this person knows the truth, they know God, and they seem to be following his leading and heading into missions. God appears to have put his stamp of approval on them, and so, so do we. That's what this is about. Evaluating. What does this person believe? Do, they, do their beliefs line up with what the Bible says? Do their lives line up with what the Bible says? Wait, nobody's perfect, we understand that. But are they seeking to live God's way? Are they living righteous, blameless lives? So evaluation is important, and who better to evaluate someone than their own local church body? And so the local church that sends the missionary ought to evaluate. Now, we're also careful here to evaluate missionaries that come in as to whether we would support them. It's not as rigorous a process, but we try to get to know them, to understand what they believe, to understand whether their lives reflect Christ or not. Um, That's important because we want our support to be behind those who are doing God's work God's way. So this is good and it's important. Now think of a job, all right? I already mentioned Chick-fil-A. So imagine that someone, um, I'm going to pick on Ben this morning. I actually worked with Ben at Chick-fil-A a a long time ago, many, many years ago. Um, So imagine that Ben says, you don't mind me using using example, do you? Okay, I appreciate that. Imagine he's, he, he's volunteered. He said, I am willing to be an employee at Chick-fil-A. All right? I am willing to go to Chick-fil-A and work there. All right? So, if I were the hiring manager or whatever, what would I do? Congratulations, Ben. Welcome to the team. No. Evaluation would have to take place, right? What would happen if you said, I want to work at Chick-fil-A, and you filled out an application? What would be the next step? Okay, I, I, your stunning application, I would just say we need to have this guy. No, there'd be an interview, at least one interview, possibly multiple interviews. Bring you in and evaluate you, all right? Make sure that he's the guy for the job, that he's going to work hard, he's going to do right, he's going to be honest, he's going to work well with other people. Those things matter. This is important. I'm going to evaluate him before I give him that job. That's just Chick-fil-A. We're talking about missions. So if I said, Ben, you, you went through the interview with flying colors, you have the job, what would come next? I guess the training. You got yeah. it. That's our next point, training, all right? In Chick-fil-A, at Chick-fil-A, I would say, you're going you're gonna to go in and get some training. Training is important for missionaries. Uh, that's your second point there. Um, letter B. 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul encouraged Timothy, he said, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. In Titus 1.5, he tells Titus, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So, training is important. Preparation, teaching giving an understanding of the job. Again, I'm grateful for mission boards that have experience and resources that can help prepare missionaries for the field, but who ultimately has that responsibility? Again, it falls back on the local church. It's our responsibility as a sending church to make sure that our brothers and sisters who are going out as missionaries have the training that they need. They've been prepared. They've been taught. Then it's our responsibility 
to decide when we say, to, to be able to say to others, as they go out on deputation or whatever, they leave for the field, to be able to say, they're ready. Now, only God knows what they're going to face. Only God can truly prepare them. But we ought to be able to say, they're ready to go to the field. We have trained and prepared them for the task ahead. That's our responsibility. So I've hired Ben at Chick-fil-A, and I say, all right, here's the chicken. Here's the chicken. Here's the kitchen, and there's the chicken. Our lunch rush is about to start. You should be able to figure it out. Um, I'm going to be busy, so don't call me unless you're, you've absolutely reached a crisis point. Would, would you enjoy that? I walk you in the first day and just say, here's the kitchen. Jump in. Have fun. Ben's a nice guy. He would, he would roll with the punches. But th- that would not be fair. That would not be right. We understand there's a way to do things. It's got to be done right. Both for the sake of the company, we've got to make sure he's trained, but for his own sake too. So he's not just stumbling around trying to figure things out. Um, I personally felt like when I started Chick-fil-A that I got way more training than I needed and watched way more hours of videos than was necessary. But... Any of us who've gotten a job, we understand whatever form that training took, whether it was watching videos, whether it was working alongside someone or some of both, that was really important. Sadly, I think that many churches, when it comes to missionaries, they just think, let's just throw them into the fire. Uh, Little or no training, expect them to figure it out. And only to call for help if absolutely everything is falling down. We want, we want prayer letters that are filled with encouraging, happy things, souls being saved. Um, we, we don't want to hear about any trouble unless things are just completely blowing up. We're not going to prepare you. We're not going to train you. We're just going to throw you in. That's not fair to the missionaries. And I don't believe that that's right when it comes to the work of God. Missionaries need to be trained. They need to be taught. They need to be prepared. The church is responsible for that, both before someone goes to the field and also while they're there, continuing to make sure that they get the the education, the help that they need. Third thing, sending and supporting. That's your uh, blank C there. Acts 13, we mentioned this before. Paul and Barnabas. Verses 1 through 3, Acts 13. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So who do we see here sending Saul and Barnabas? And he's called Saul here. Of course, this is the Apostle Paul. Who is sending them? It's kind of a trick question, I guess. There's two correct answers. The church. The Holy Spirit and the church. The Holy Spirit says, separate Saul and Barnabas for the work. I'm sending them out. But then the church also, they fast and pray. They lay their hands on Saul and Barnabas, and they send them out. So sending, missionary sending, is a responsibility of the local church. The church recognized the work of God's Spirit in the lives of Paul and, Saul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. I'll call him Paul for clarity's sake. And as the Holy Spirit sent them, the church too sent them. The church is responsible for that. To send them and also to support them. To care for their physical needs as they carry out the work of the Great Commission. Um, Paul was an example of this. He received that support from churches. He mentions in 2 Corinthians 11.9, When I was present with you and wanted, I had need, I was chargeable to no man... For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things, I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. He said, I went there to Corinth. I didn't want to burden those I was trying to minister to. But the churches of Macedonia, the brethren from Macedonia, they sent what I needed to, to support me and to help me in the work. 
He also mentions in Philippians 4, he says in verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Verse 16, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. He's here commending the church at Philippi. I, I had need, I was, I was serving, ministering in Thessalonica, and again and again, you sent what I needed. It took care of my needs. It took the burden off of the people. You supported me in that work. And that, that is a sign, what we were talking about, that, that that evaluation has happened, okay? There is a local church that evaluated that person and has put their stamp of approval to say, this person is following the leading of God as far as we can tell. They're following God in their personal life, they're, tr they're right in their doctrine, and there's that stamp of approval instead of just, you know, here's Joe and Martha and they've decided they want to go to Africa, Okay, you know, there's that stamp of approval to say, here's this church that sent them. And it does give an authority a, that this isn't just something where they think this is what God's, God's doing. There's a whole assembly of believers that has gotten behind them to say, yes, we believe that God is sending you. When Paul and Barnabas went out, it wasn't just Paul and Barnabas got this burden to go out and share the gospel with people. They had the whole church in Antioch behind them. All of those believers there said, yes, you need to go and share the gospel with the Gentiles. In that day, that was a big deal. They're going out to reach Gentiles with the gospel. But they have this whole church at Antioch saying, yeah, they're following God. So there is an, an authority, there is a, a, a power to that. In Paul's life, his necessities in these times that he's mentioning, they were met. So he could focus on the necessity of preaching the gospel. Um, and again, we, we've taken on ourselves to support many different missionaries. It's our responsibility to be faithful with that. And we are here, and I'm grateful for that. People are faithful to give. We're faithful to keep that, that giving going. But especially when it comes to those, again, who are sent out of Good News Baptist Church. It's our responsibility to make sure, not just that we're, we're continuing to, to give as we've promised. You know, we promised such and such a month to this person, we're going to give it. But we need, to keep, we need to keep our ear to the ground. We need to make sure that we're talking to them, communicating with them, to make sure their needs are met. We want missionaries to be able to get their eyes off of the physical needs and be able to focus on the ministry God's given them. And there are far too many missionaries all over the world who are pinching pennies to the point that that becomes a, a big focus of theirs. And of course, they try to keep their focus on, on the spiritual work. But we need to not only send, but also support, keep them strengthened. And that also, we back them up that way. Faithful financial support reminds them, I'm not alone. There is this one church that sent me, but there are many churches that are behind me in the work that I'm doing here. And they, they can trust, I, I hope accurately, that that financial support also represents prayers from that church family that are being made for them. So, back to uh, Ben working at Chick-fil-A, all right? As his manager, I send him, all right? You could say that. All right, I, get him, I put him on the schedule. I decide where and when he's going to work, um, I'm going to put him into the place that seems to be best for him. I'm going to decide which hour, what shifts he's going to work. Um, if his job, but, but I also need to supply him, all right? If his job is cooking chicken, i got to make sure that the chicken is there for him to cook. If the job is serving chicken to customers, I have to make sure that the chicken is cooked so it gets to him so he can serve it to the customers. So... He's expected to faithfully carry out his job. But I make sure the supply chain is there. It's taken care of. 
so he can do his job properly, so he can focus on the main aspect of his job, what his responsibility is, instead of worrying about what they're doing back there and why he's not getting what he needs. So we are responsible as the church to send missionaries and also to support them. And then finally, overseeing and caring. In Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas report back to the church in Antioch. Okay, the church in Antioch sent them out. In Acts 14, they report back, and they told what had happened. Um, and they, they make it clear they haven't just been on a joyride around the Mediterranean. They haven't been just enjoying the sights um, on a cruise like some people from here are planning to go on. All right, that's not what Paul and Barnabas are, were doing. They're going around, and they're sharing the gospel. They've faithfully carried out their mission, and so they share that, uh, Acts 14, 27. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. So they tell the story about what happened. They rejoice together with that church and what God is doing. So why do missionaries have furloughs? Again, you know, we've got this way that things are done in America, especially among independent Baptist churches. Um, and, and some of it's directly out of the Bible. Some of it's just a, a plan, a way that's been made. And, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the way things are, okay? But why do missionaries take furloughs? Is there a biblical reason for that? Why do they come back every four years, five years, three years, whatever it is? That's one of the, that's one of the reasons. This oversight. They come to report back. There, there's, there's really... Those two reasons are the two reasons that missionaries take furloughs, overseeing and caring. Okay? They come to report back. Um, there needs to be oversight. What are missionaries doing? What are they, you know, what's going on there? Sadly, there are people that go to other countries and live comfortably and enjoy themselves on support that churches send them. And, and they, they don't really engage in the ministry and all that. They're the exception to the rule. I want to be clear with, about that, okay? But this oversight is important to make sure the work is going forward. They're continuing to labor for the Lord. That doesn't mean that success is just, you know, all over their ministry and you see thousands of people getting saved and it's just all happiness and everything's great. But are they continuing to faithfully serve the Lord? And that's one of the reasons for furloughs. They come back, they report to their churches. And part of that is rejoicing with them in what God has done. And part of that is considering this is what's been going on, this is what their time and energy has gone to. Yes, they're faithfully going on for the Lord. That's why we ask our missionaries to send prayer letters. Again, two reasons. One, we do want to pray. We want to be a part specifically of what's going on in their mission in ministry. And not just to be able to go down a list and say, you know, God, would you bless this family? Would you bless this family? Would you bless this family? But we can go in and we can say, you know, I know this is something they're facing right now. This is somebody they're trying to win for the Lord. And whatever. And we can go and we can pray specifically. We want to be able to do that. And that's why we read these prayer letters on Wednesday nights. That's why there are prayer letters in the Sunday bulletin. So we can pray specifically. But it also has to do with oversight. We want to hear what's going on. What are you doing for the Lord? What's happening? What about the care side of it? Oversight and care. Both the responsibility of the local church. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 6. Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him. That there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters... Them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you, and I shall pass through Macedonia. For I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, in winter with you, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. So we have in this passage, this was mentioned back in Missions Conference, care for another church. Um, some see this as mission support, some don't. But we do see care happening here for the church in Jerusalem. But at the end of the passage, we also see care for Paul. He says, 
I might come and spend the winter with you. And if I do that, then basically he's saying, take care of me. Make sure I've got a place to stay. Make sure my needs are met. Uh, so that you can bring me on my journey wherever I go. You can encourage me and help me take the next step in wherever God has me go. In Philippians 4, verses 14 and 15, Paul says, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. You gave towards my need, is what he's saying. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. The other ones didn't take care of me, but you did. That's what he's saying. They recognized the responsibility. The other churches didn't. Throughout the New Testament, we find the pattern of believers caring for the needs of God's servants and helping them along the way. Um, the book that I spent a little while ago, but preached a message on 3 John. And that's the theme of that book. In my opinion, really the theme of the whole book. It's about giving physical support and help to the servants of God and helping them along their way. Definitely a biblical concept. And it's the responsibility of the church. That's why we did what we did with all these gifts during missions conference. I don't know why I'm pointing over there. But all those gifts during missions conference we were trying to care for these missionaries. We recognize the local church is supposed to take care of the needs of the missionaries. And we wanted to go above and beyond and be a help to them that way. So the church is responsible both for oversight and care. All right, if Ben's working for me at Chick-fil-A, I'm going to keep an eye on him. Right? Okay. Number one, I want to make sure he's doing his job. Um, and he's doing it well. If he's not, then I'm going to talk through it with him and find out where the hang-up is. All right? If he's not doing his job or he's not doing a good job, then I'm going to sit down with him and I'm going to say, here's what's going on. What, what's the problem, Ben? What, what's the issue here? How can we work this out? I'm going to try to find out if, if there's something in, in the environment with others he's working with that's the problem, if it's just him, whatever. Oversight. And to make sure he's doing his job. But I'm also going to make sure he's taken care of. If there are constant work frustrations for him or people he's working with who are making it hard for him, then I need to know that. And I need to come alongside and I need to try to resolve those issues. As a good leader, as a good manager, I would need to care for him and try to be a part of meeting the needs that he has in his job and solving the problems that he's facing at work. Taking care of him. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that the, the boss is in charge of making sure that all of his needs are met. Okay, But there's that oversight and that care. And we understand that. And we, can, we understand the importance of it when it comes to something as trivial as a fast food restaurant. It's important when it comes to missions. And we as the local church need to be the lifeline of these missionaries, caring for them, knowing what their needs are, making sure that they're met, overseeing what they're doing, and making sure they're continuing on for the Lord. Now, I want to be clear here. All right, I've said some things that could potentially be um, make you look down on missionaries. And I want to be clear what I've, what I've mentioned that way are definitely the exception to the rule. And here at Good News, none of this is from my experience here at Good News. Okay, The missionaries that we have the opportunities to support, especially I can say this about the missionaries we've sent out from here, are some incredible stellar servants for God. And I also want to be clear here, as when it comes to our church, Good News, um, we're not perfect. We have a lot of room to grow. But I believe that our pastor takes these responsibilities very seriously. We have several missionaries sent from Good News Baptist Church. And as they're church, sending church, we're responsible for that evaluation, for that training, for support, for oversight, and for care. And I want to assure you that Pastor Asher takes those responsibilities very seriously. 
but so should we. That's not just the pastor does all this. This is the local church. So the local church's role in missions is a big one because missions is ultimately is our responsibility. Let's take that seriously and recognize that calls for each of us to be involved. So that's the first part of this lesson, the role of the local church in missions. Next week, not next week, I'm sorry, next week's Military Appreciation Day, we won't have Sunday school or adult Bible fellowships. The week after, we'll look at part two. And here are some questions we're going to try to answer. How should we think about mission sending agencies and boards? So those, those organizations that aren't the local church, how should we look at that? What's their part? Should we just get rid of them altogether? Which is important for us to consider here at Good News because we have a mission board that's based at Good News, Armed Forces Baptist Missions. Um, we'll also ask the question, why does it matter if we understand the church is central to sending missionaries? Why does it matter that the church is in the middle of all this? And what does all this look like at Good News Baptist Church? Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of being a part of the work of missions. Thank you that you've given us that responsibility. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to be uh, careful to do our part. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand um, the part that you have us to play. Lord, if you would send any of us to the field, would you make that clear? But help us to have this heart that we want to be involved. We want to be uh, supporting, praying for, encouraging, helping, caring for missionaries. I pray especially for those who are sent out of Good News Baptist Church. Help us to fulfill our responsibility when it comes to them. Lord, we love you. We're grateful to be part of your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.